Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to episode number 50 of The Other Six Podcast. My name is Chad Book, and I am your host. Join me once again in the studio today, my co-host, our worship pastor, and owner of the hair salon for white-tailed deer entitled More Bang for Your Buck, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Mr. Matt Collins. Hey, Matt, how are you today, sir? I'm doing good, man, especially yeah. in Alabama with that name. Yeah, because they have bangs <laughs> in their buck, the deer. Yeah, yeah. Do you I'm get doing it? Really okay, good. good. Yeah, I'm glad I got you it. That. I got it. Also joining us in the studio you once again, <laughs> our lead pastor, Adam Bishop. Adam, how are you, sir? I'm good. So 50. 50, 5 50. Zero. Wow. Can you believe that, huh? That's crazy. We've been doing been this for almost almost a year. Yeah. yeah. Wow. With you we guys. should. So what are we doing to celebrate today? I've got, well, I've got some plans for, for 52, for one year. <laughs> okay. So we, <laughs> we got to wait two more weeks. <laughs> we got to wait two, two more weeks. All right. Two okay. More weeks. Two more weeks, 50, then we get yeah. to celebrate. Yeah, absolutely. Are we going to wear, like, party hats and have confetti? I, I feel like, what are the little part? Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think those should be involved. All right. We'll look forward to that. Two weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Two weeks from now. Yeah. It'll be good. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, gentlemen, did you guys have a good weekend? I know that we got to spend some time together uh what was it friday night no, thursday, night. Thursday, thursday night thursday night thursday night at biscuits game yeah, yeah. and uh, i'm gonna go ahead and address the elephant in the room there was a picture that was posted on social media of you guys the t-shirt twins not matching today but previously matching and uh, i'm gonna have jonathan put that picture up here right now and uh this is you guys hanging out at the biscuits game there's no elephant yeah, in the room yeah, like what are you <laughs> talking about we're perfectly proud of that yeah, picture yeah 100 yeah I just, well the elephant in the room is you know i'm 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 feeling a little bit of like a third wheel it's fine but you know <laughs> uh, I, you know i don't get to go t-shirt shopping with you guys or no pictures down at the biscuit station no i'll actually have jonathan now throw up a picture of our entire staff down there i thought the you were gonna have jonathan though. throw up <laughs> no, <laughs> that's no, no, good. No. don't throw up jonathan wow. no but uh that was the whole great... the whole team yeah, yeah the whole team yep so, this is us yeah the whole team picture our our team yep. the Vaughn Forest team and and spouses and Matt and I we got to the spot first <laughs> yeah we had we been, just had, like, we were let's all there. go stand over there we're going to take the picture yeah. sure Matt and I being the obedient people that we are <laughs> we got there first everybody else is just right. talking and yeah. not paying attention yeah so we, we took advantage of the, of the moment we yeah. went ahead and just got a really good picture yeah. That I thought was nice, yeah. just the two of us. I I shared it immediately yeah. on social media, and yeah. I think I think it's indicative of the loving relationship that we share. Now, Chad, the fact that you're not in the picture doesn't mean we don't love you. Uh, okay, okay? Yeah. I feel like we're having an intervention. <laughs> yeah. We so are. If, if we need to go to another biscuits game and go back to that spot, take another picture. Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll bring that. we'll bring you into the photo. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Yeah, we'll but get... had you been paying attention, maybe you could have gotten there quickly it's, as well. It's true. It's true. Okay. it's my own fault, and uh, I I have to accept that. There's some things that we show the picture is that what yeah, we're doing yeah, yeah, okay yeah, yeah, all right yeah, yeah. well if you're on social media you saw it you know exactly you get to see it for the first time no yeah. it was a great picture you guys great picture of our team and man we had a great time down there biscuits if you've lost, never been to a biscuits game it's it's, it's worth pretty, an evening oh yeah pretty awesome that was yeah. my first biscuits experience now was if, it really yeah yeah okay. i'd never i'd never been to a biscuits game so if you listen to our podcast and you don't live in the montgomery pike road area the montgomery biscuits are our minor league baseball team right affiliated with tampa the tampa rays and so um, it's a great venue. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, it used to be a train station. It did. You're the lifelong hurt. Montgomerian. Yep. Is it a Montgomerian? Is that what you call it? Uh, you lived here your whole life? Sure, yeah. Sure, All right, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So tell us the story because I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, it was an old abandoned, uh, I think it was like a factory and then like some sort of train station. It, it, yeah. And then they, they converted it. And, you know, you can see the train going by in the outfield. Yeah. And I remember the first season, they put a $10,000 bounty out on anyone that could hit a home run and hit a train as it was going by. <laughs> I was at the like, game where it happened. 
And uh, the game now bounty is that bounty, where they, like, like they you kill you? Yeah, is that where they kill you? If you hit the train, they dead or alive, man. Yeah, sorry, old west. Yeah, they would give you ten thousand dollars. Oh, like to the baseball player, he gets a winner. And so somebody did it. Somebody did it. Okay, and and got ten thousand. But yeah, so they can they convert it in the whole. Yeah, I wish that was a player. Yeah, but it was. He was. He was on the biscuits at the time. It was crazy because when they first announced this renovation of the stadium, and really that whole area down there has been you know really kind of you know renovated. And uh, everyone in town was going, wait, really? Because it was not the best, you know, part of town. But they have revitalized it, and it looks amazing awesome, down there. And the really stadium's cool. incredible. It's a great baseball yeah. baseball venue. And yeah. I'm, you know, a huge Braves fan. The amount of money that I have to spend <laughs> to take my family to a right. Braves game, and just the hassle yeah. of driving over there. Right. I think I'm ready to go to a Biscuits game, man. Right. You know, it's you can actually enjoy it because you're close to the action. It was fun. We had yeah. a good time. Yeah. So if you've never been to a Biscuits game, you should. It's, it. it's worth going. And we're not yeah. even getting paid to say that. That's right. Maybe they could sponsor our <laughs> <Yeah>. podcast. <laughs> well, Big Mo has been to Vaughn Forest several times. Christmas parties, Father's Day. He's really? Up here. Yeah. I got my picture made with Big Mo. Oh, did you? I did. Yeah. You yeah. That selfie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I messed up the first time, and oh, yeah. Big Mo made fun of me. But then we got it straightened okay, out. Yeah. Yeah, so I got a good selfie. But no, it was it was it was great to get. To, to hang out with everybody down there. And you, yeah. you guys have a good weekend besides yeah. that? Anything yeah. fun, exciting? Yeah, uh, we finally saw, Morgan and I finally saw Top Gun Maverick. Okay, how So we're so? kind of late to the party. Y'all seen it, right? Yeah, I have not. Yeah. You haven't seen it? No, dude. I haven't been back to the movie theaters in a while. Okay, well, you need to go back. All right. It's, it's time, Chad. Okay. It's time. Right. So, Do you like uh, motorcycles? Uh, yeah, sure. Do you like airplanes? Yes. Then you'll love Top Gun. Okay. So, yeah, I thought we could talk about the movie today, but since you haven't seen it, you're going to have to see that, and then we can talk more about it, because I think Did there's... Did you guys go see it? To get... No, okay. No, right, no. <laughs> yeah, no, no I, yeah, I, yeah, actually, we saw I went with my wife. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I thought it was really good. It lived up to the hype. Everybody yeah. kept telling me how great it was, okay. and uh, it, it checks every box. It's, right. it's a really good movie. But there is something I just want to talk about about the movie, because I think it's worth talking about. One of the things that... And I'm not going to give away anything. No, you're good. Just the idea... That some people are better at things than others. That's just kind of a lost principle in our culture sure, today. Right. Now, those of us who grew up in the '80s, we were perfectly comfortable <laughs> with that. You know, like nobody tried to act like everything was fair. Right. It was like, no, some kids hit the ball further than you. Yeah. You get to sit on the bench. Right. You know, some kids varsity, do that better than you. Man. Yeah. And and I feel like on some level we've kind of lost that value as a society. And um, I see it a lot coaching, you know, little league sports and different things like that. And it's coming all from the parents. It's sure. not from the kids. Right. But like there is a point in life where you recognize, oh wow, that person's better than me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not so sure we're training up a generation of kids and teenagers who know how to respond to when that, that yeah. when that becomes apparent. Yeah, yeah. One way. of the things the movie does, in my opinion, is is it it draws some attention to that in a pretty healthy way. Mm. So yeah, a little competition. Okay. L- little kind of let me show you I'm better than you. But but then once it becomes clear who is the best and who's not the best, the who's not the best category still has a role. Right. And that's ultimately what makes the team so good. And so whether it's okay. at work or whether it's an extracurricular activity or an athletic competition or the marching band at school, like how do we help kids understand, like, here's how to respond appropriately mm-hmm. if you're actually not the best? Right. Because my generation of parents raises all their kids to think they're the best at everything. Right. Well, at some point you have to realize, nope, <laughs> no. yeah, 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 you're not going to yeah. be the best. But if you'll respond appropriately, this is how good teams are formed, right? And then the other thing I was thinking about is – you watch this movie and like these these individuals have like such great confidence. Hmm. You know, trying to raise kids. How do you raise kids with confidence? I think the key to raising kids with confidence is just allow them to fail. Hmm. 
So if you can let your kids fail and they recognize they're not a failure, that was just a temporary failure, then they build confidence that they can keep going. I'm concerned that if we keep kids from failing, ultimately when they hit 20, 21, Uh 22, 25 maybe, and they fail, their their world's just going to be shattered because they've been protected from failure. So one of the ways to build confidence is let your kids fail. Let them try some things they may not succeed at. Let them try something they may not be the best at. Maybe they have to ride the bench for a little while. Okay. I mean, when I was a kid, my lifelong dream was to be a baseball player. I mean, that was it. Like if you had asked me, like I was going to be a baseball player, there's no questions asked, right? That's what God had called me to do. Yeah. Play baseball. Right. The problem is I kept getting cut from my high school team. (laughs) So if you're getting cut from your high school team, it becomes pretty apparent, like you're not going to be a baseball player. So me being the competitive guy I was after I got cut my freshman year from the baseball team, I was like, well, that's not a problem. Like I, I, cause I had to play a sport year round, Chad. This is how I viewed myself. Like I'll just go play on the golf team. No big deal. Well, I managed to get cut from the golf team four consecutive years. (laughs) So like I I, I tried out for the golf team every year I got cut. I tried for the baseball team every year I got cut. And um, actually not every year at baseball, I kind of got that lesson down after two years. It's like, but my point is I'm glad my parents let me try things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like they were trying to say, yeah, absolutely, you'll be the greatest baseball player in the world. Mm-hmm. But they also weren't saying, yeah, Adam, that's never going to happen, so right. maybe you shouldn't go through the process of right. experiencing that failure. So, you know, it's it's okay sometimes to try things and find out you're actually not good at it, mm-hmm. and life marches on, and it steers you into the direction that maybe you are good at something. Yeah. Interesting. So anyway, yeah. these are the things I was thinking about, like, from the movie. I thought it kind of drew some attention to that just from the cast of characters in the movie, beyond just the story the movie's yeah. telling. Yeah. But it's it's good to be reminded of those things as we try to raise our kids and help them learn how to build confidence That's and different really things like that. So yeah. anyway, we enjoyed the movie and we enjoyed um, our weekend as well. Did you do anything fun this weekend? Well, no, I'm just thinking, I'm sitting here going like, that's the difference between Adam and I because he's thinking like life lessons and I'm going like <laughs> pew pew. Like, like, like that's that's what I think of when I think of Top Gun, you know, like here goes missiles. Uh, no, well, yeah, so uh, I, I had my truck worked on, so okay. was, I kind of waited on fun. that. But you know what? It's been a while. It's an 09. People say, what kind of car do you have? I say, I have an 09 paid for. And so it was uh, well, time kind. to invest a little yeah. bit, little yeah. bit back into it. So I had that done, some power steering stuff, so real exciting stuff <laughs> at the Boakhouse this weekend. Yeah, super exciting. how about you, man? Uh, just hung out with some friends, caught up, and it was a pretty chill weekend. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Abs- yeah. Didn't do anything. I'll tell you what was really exciting though was Sunday. Yeah, we had some really yes, cool stuff happen on Sunday. It was fun. And so the first thing we did is we wrapped up our series Find Your People, and we, we uh, found our people. That's as promised <laughs> in last week's podcast. You told us how to find our people. The series is now called Found yeah. Your People. Yeah, yeah. 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 in the past, your yeah. people have been found. Mm-hmm. So. You started out the message this past week by celebrating kind of a, a bunch of different stuff that God's been doing here in the life of Vaughn Forest Church. So I kind of want to recap some of that and then, you know, talk about why is it important for us to stop and celebrate? Because we're not just trying to be arrogant here, uh, but it's really important for us to do that. And let's let's kind of talk about why. No, every now and then we're going to talk about numbers because numbers represent people. Sure. And we're doing a series called Find Your People. Right. <laughs> we actually pray for God to bring us people. We, we try to connect people to God through Jesus Christ. We try to connect people to one another through Jesus Christ. So when that's happening, we're going to celebrate. Yeah. And um, we're, we celebrate in a way where we thank God for it and we give him the glory for it. But then we also have a team that works really, really hard, sure. you know, and so I want to celebrate for them as well. So uh, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. So I've already, oh, oh you have the numbers. Awesome. So um, during the month of July, we had 139 first-time guests, um, which is pretty remarkable. Yeah. yeah. And then we had 68 people come to our Discover Vaughn Force. We talked about that in last week's podcast. Um, 282 kids in the kids camp, 80 parents at the parent experience, 
100 more people on campus every single Sunday in July as compared to last July. Right. Yeah. And then since now we're post-Sunday, we can actually celebrate uh, Sunday as well. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know, when you're living the Sunday, you're not like aware of that. Yeah. But, you know, you're leading our student ministry right now. Yep. So tell us how many students were up there yesterday, because I was kind of blown away by that. We had 83 students up there yesterday, plus about 16 adult volunteers. Yeah, so close nice. to 100 people up yeah. in that room. And, I mean, just by comparison, you know, our student ministry, when we wrapped up in the spring before summer break, we were probably in the mid-50s with students. Mm-hmm. So now we're in the mid-80s, yeah. and school hasn't started back yet. Right. So we definitely want to celebrate that. Yeah. Um, we had the highest number of kids checked in yesterday than any other Sunday so far this year, yeah. other than Easter. Yep. And um, we had more people on our campus yesterday than any other Sunday since we've come back from COVID. So I think we can celebrate that. So, you know, it's just been a really fun season. And, you know, we share all those things to celebrate, but also to say great job. You know, those of you listening to this podcast, you know, y'all are what make Vaughn Force go. You know, y'all are the people who serve. Y'all are the people who give. And y'all are the people who invite your friends. And, and And so when good things are happening, you know, interesting thing about church is we're here all day. Yeah. We're the first ones to get here and the last ones to leave. So if you just come to one service, you just you don't see the the, the whole day, the right. whole scope of the whole day. So we're going to give you the scope of the whole day and, and celebrate mm-hmm. all those things. And um, and then I was doing a, a prayer walk yesterday afternoon um, at Pike Road Intermediate School, and several of our families were there. We took about 30, 45 minutes. And, um, you know, the principal is out there meeting with us, uh, you know, asking us to cover the whole campus with prayer. Yeah. So we did that. And so just a lot of really good things. We fed the um, faculty this yeah, morning. Yeah, we talk about Love Week a little yeah, bit. Yeah, what, this past week. Which school did we feed this morning? It was <laughs> the elementary school and the intermediate, intermediate school. school. Okay. Tomorrow yeah. is— The junior uh, high and high school, which is correct. at one one yeah. campus. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so many people at Vaughn Forest are doing so many great things right now, and, and God is, is doing a great work. And uh, we continue to get new families that are showing up every single week. So praise God. Yeah. Lots to celebrate. Great, and um, it sure is a fun season. Yeah, yeah. absolutely it is. Well, you know, talking about all these people on campus and going out and connecting with folks, uh, you said something yesterday that was really, it was really kind of cool. You said that the gospel message uh, not only makes us right with God, but right with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, can you unpack that a little bit for people that weren't here? Yeah, I mean, it's the devastating effect of sin. You know, mm-hmm. sin sin messed up everything, including creation. We, I did a message a few years ago called Creation's Grown from the passage of Romans that talks about mm-hmm. sin's effect on creation. Yeah. So sin affected everything, not just the <laughs> dynamic we had between us and God, but the dynamic between us and each other, yeah, which sure. is why there's war and strife and yeah. fighting and everything else. That's the story of human history. So if people are going to be reconciled to one another um, in a way that actually leads to peace and reconciliation and harmony that can only be provided through Jesus Christ. Mm. Right. So yeah. yeah, part of salvation is the ability to now be united because there's a greater force uniting us than our own efforts. It's mm. the Holy Spirit within us, Christ in you, the hope of glory, Christ yeah. in me, the hope of glory. So yeah, the only way we can ever be reconciled with one another is through Jesus Christ. And ultimately that's the picture that presented to us of what heaven will be like one day. Like we're the family of God together, brothers and sisters in Christ. But while we're here on earth, we're supposed to be reconciled to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ in a way, what did Jesus say? That it's your love, it's by your love for one another that they will know you. Right. Yeah. Like Jesus yeah. said that's actually going to be the greatest testimony that you'll have yeah. is the way you love one another. So it's not a, a loving one another that is in, that is exclusive towards those who are far from God. Mm-hmm. It's a loving one another that as there's an attractiveness to it that right. lost yeah. people go, man, like, I don't really know if I believe everything you believe, but the way y'all treat each other, yeah. I-, I want in on that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of the idea there. As part of our salvation 
is, is not just the connection with God. Mm-hmm. It's also the connection it provides with us with one another. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, you know, I think it's really interesting. Uh, Christy had a coworker who recently passed away, and one of the best testimonies that I, I saw online was another coworker who was not a believer said, I don't understand how these people were coming in who were suffering with the same thing she was, and she was able to love them and encourage them despite what she was going through. And that's what you're talking about is this ability to, to love one another, both in the good times and, and the bad. I think that's incredible. Yeah, I mean, Colossians says, you know, forgive as you've been forgiven. Right. So all, all of the, the, the one another commands that we see in the New Testament, the foundation of those commands are what we have experienced in Christ. So because you have been saved, because you've been redeemed, because you are in Christ— right. Now, this should affect the way you treat one another. Yeah. And so they're, they're intertwined with each other. Yeah, that's really good. You know, one of the other things you talked about yesterday, you talked about uh, the essence of the first century church, and you said that uh, we should try to capture that. So lots of folks say, you know, we want a first century church. So what does that mean? Is that true? Do we just turn off the AC and the lights? Like, what, what, what does it mean to have a first century church? Yeah. Yeah, so I've heard that before. Like, you know, I want to have a first century church, and I understand the the sentiment. I think that, you know, it begs the question, like, which which city are we talking about here? Because sure. if you want the first century church from Corinth, it's going to get real interesting real quick. Because okay. some of the things that Paul was telling him to stop doing in church, not good, all right? So, um, so yeah, we, we don't want that. Um, go read First Corinthians. You'll get the context. Um, so I think it's more about when people say that they're 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 talking about Acts two. I think they're talking about Acts two. So I get that. Sure. Um, I was teaching out of Acts two foundationally yesterday to kind of launch us. The, the message was not a message based out of Acts two, but that was the key passage. Um, so the church in Acts chapter two. I mean, it launches large. Right. Three thousand people. So the church was never small. It, like day one, zero to 3,000, which is pretty <laughs> remarkable. And then from there, it's just exponential growth. And um, when I said the essence of the first century church um, or the <clears throat> New Testament church or the Acts 2 church, I- I'm just talking about, like, look what was happening. You know, th- these people were being saved at such a rapid rate that it was all they could talk about. And, and more people were being added daily, is what the passage that we read says. And they were gathering together in larger gatherings. They were also meeting together in homes. There was no formal leadership structure. Right. There was no formal organization. It was this great movement that just, you know, was spreading like wildfire. Mm-hmm. And that's amazing. I think maybe the word we might use to describe something like that today would be revival. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing about, you know, the state of the church globally is that is happening. Mm-hmm. You, know, you go to Ethiopia, study some of what's happening in Ethiopia with different churches. You get on to South America, study what's happening in some different churches. I mean, even in South Korea, South Korea is getting to a point where they're now sending missionaries to America. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I was in seminary with a lot of pastors from South Korea. They would come over here for three years and then go back to pastor their churches. And they were great and learned a lot from them. During that season, there are pockets all over the planet right now that that is how Christianity could be described. It looks more like the essence of the first century New Testament Acts 2 church. So it begs the question, well, what's what's going on here? Sure. You know, what's what's wrong with us? So um, I would push back on that a little bit because there are some churches in America that are experiencing that as well. The, the hard part for a lot of American Christians is to have humility to learn from some churches that may not be their own where those kind of things are happening. Mm. So one of the things we try to be marked by here at Von Forst is humility. 
Like we want to learn from everyone we can. Yeah. Like if God is moving somewhere and a bunch of people are getting saved and a bunch of disciples are being made and we can learn something from that, well, that's incredible. Yeah. So one of the churches right now in our country that, that that's happening at is Church of the Highlands. So pre-COVID, Church of the Highlands was the most attended church in America. If you add up all their campuses, there are 50,000 people every single Sunday. And we have a Highlands campus just a few miles down the road from us. God is doing a great work through Church of the Highlands, not just here in our state, but literally all over the world. Mm -hmm. Well, why wouldn't we learn from that? You know, so we have good relationships with the pastors there and Mm -hmm. the guy that's over all of their campus pastors. I've developed a relationship with him. Hardy knows a lot of the people who've served there. So we try to learn from them. We also look at maybe like Life Church with Craig Groeschel and we see what's happened there. Um, they put all of their resources out for free. Right. Um, They want to serve the kingdom. So we try to learn from them. Um, You know, I'm connected with a lot of different churches just through some things I do with other pastors, and we're ultimately all encouraging and learning from one another. So anytime you you hear that God is up to something somewhere, you want to lean in. Yeah. Like, you don't want to push back. You don't want to say, well— you know, they, they must be watering down the gospel. It's like, no, like maybe God's just pouring out a spirit. Right? Yeah. And so um, that to me is the essence of what we talk about. If, if it was happening then, why can't it happen now? And if it's happening somewhere else, why can't it happen here? And instead of saying, why isn't this happening? You know, we'll say, well, why not us, God? And I think sometimes, you know, God's delivering to the capacity of the faith that people have. So, so many times, you know, people's expectation is not a God who can do exceedingly and abundantly more than you could ever ask or imagine. God says, cool, let me find a group of people who think I can do exceedingly and abundantly more than they could ever ask or imagine, and I'm going to pour out my spirit. So Mm -hmm. sometimes our faith can actually be a lid Mm -hmm. to how God's going to move and wants to move. And I think that when you see what's happening in the first century, I do think the 21st century mirrors a lot of the... um, cultural challenges that existed in the first century. So in many ways, I do think that we're kind of on the cusp of this great global movement where God does pour out his spirit. And I'm praying for that to happen in my lifetime. I don't know if it will. Um, It might be our kids' lifetime, but I really believe that. I really believe that God wants to bring about this global revival um, one last time before he sends Jesus back Mm. um, to get us and to bring us home. And so sign me up. I want in on that, right? So that's what I, probably a much longer answer you're looking for. But when I talk about the essence of the church, that's what I'm talking about. Can I circle back to something you just said there? You you said that sometimes our faith can be a lid, you know, that, so what would you say to someone who wants to be a part of this great big movement of God, but just hasn't been able to make that, like, what what would you say to that person? Is it find a different church? I mean, what, what, what should they do? You should do exactly what God's telling you to do today. Okay. Obedience is what brings that on. Okay. So many times yeah. we're looking for something big, and God's got a bunch of small things right in front of us. Yeah. You know, so do what you can do where you're at right now, mm-hmm. and let let God take care of the things that only He can take care of. Yeah. That's good. You be obedient to what He's called you to do today, mm-hmm. and um, as you do that, it's like the old <laughs> analogy when you're walking through the woods at night with a flashlight. Right. You can only see a little bit in front of you. Yeah. You just yeah, keep yeah. going. So just obey what you have in front of you, and then you keep going, and God will, God will begin to make that clear. Yeah. But don't get too caught up on what what can be if you miss what he's asking you to do right now. Like obedience today matters to God more than we could ever imagine. So in whatever area of your life he's calling you to obedience, be obedient. That's really good. That's really, really good. Um, Well, yesterday you talked about um, choosing your friends carefully. Uh, You used Proverbs 12, 26. It says, the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked 
leads them astray. Um, how do we choose our friends carefully, and how do we know if we're choosing the right ones? Yeah, you got to put yourself in healthy social spaces. I mean, that's kind of the yeah. whole point of the message. So, you know, where are some healthy environments that you can place yourself that you could make some good friends? Yeah. Um, now, it, it, it doesn't always work that way. So let me give you a good example. Like, kids go to college. Like, mm-hmm. I've seen kids, I mean, you know, go to college, go to some crazy state university that's known for partying. Like, it's got the label as a big party school. Yeah. And the kid goes to that big party school and finds an amazing campus ministry, mm-hmm. and they grow in their faith like never before yeah. because yeah. they stepped into a, a, yeah. a, good, a good social place. I've seen the other example where you get a kid who goes to this, like, super small conservative, uh, private Christian school Mm -hmm. and they get in the wrong social group and they go off the rails, you know? So it's not always as simple as, you know, that it it has more to do. And I, I've told college students this for years. It's not so much about the university you go to as it is the group of people you Mm -hmm. choose to start hanging out with. I just got a text message yesterday afternoon from a guy I've known for years and his son, uh, he just dropped him off in college here in Montgomery yesterday. So we're, I'm going to be reaching out to him and getting him connected oh, cool. here yeah. at Vaughn Forest. Yeah. And, um, you know, we've got actually got quite a few um, students that are, are, are here in town that I've known from over the years. So it's funny how life works. Well, well, that young man needs his people. Yeah. Right. He's at his university, but we're going to get him connected with our college students that we have here at Vaughn Forest. So mm-hmm. if you put yourself in a healthy you know, group with 10, 12, 15, 20 people, mm-hmm. it doesn't always mean you're going to meet like a best friend, yeah. but you're going to give yourself a shot. You're going to give yourself the sure. best opportunity. Yeah. And then sometimes like life gives you those. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at work, you may work with 10, 12, 15 people. And there may not be anybody in there that is a Christ follower. So now we need to move to a different category of friends. You're not looking to have a friend that's going to help you grow in your faith. Mm-hmm. You're now looking to make a friend that you can share your faith with. Right. You know sure. what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So you've just, I think focusing on one-on-one isn't as helpful as trying to find groups. Let me give you a really lame analogy, okay? Like, let's just say that I need to buy a shirt, Oh, stupid analogy, right? <laughs> I need to buy a shirt. I mean, I got right? Like, I'm tired of wearing the same shirts every time I preach. I want a shirt. Well, it's it's a little tricky to say, I need a shirt. Yeah. Isn't it a better way to say, where could I go to find said shirt, right? right? Yeah. Amazon? <laughs> Macy's? I, I don't Costco. know. Yeah, Costco. <laughs> they got some good deals. That's right. So if I go to a place, whether it's online or in a, a brick and mortar that mm-hmm. has shirts, it's going to improve the likelihood that I'll find a shirt. Right. Right. Think about making friends the same way. Right. I need a friend. Okay. Well, don't go on Facebook. You know, don't, right. don't yeah. right. go places where there are people that you can get to know, 12, 15, 20 people. You're probably going to make a friend. Okay. Yeah. That's the idea. You've, and you've got to be super proactive about it. Life's not going to do this for you. Like yeah. you've got to, you know, be intentional about where you put yourself in these things. All right. So the quadrant and the, uh, the different spaces, can we unpack all of that? Cause you had a bunch of quadrants up on that screen yesterday. Yeah, kind of ties into what he was just talking yeah, about. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I had four. You had four. four. Don't, yeah. Don't yeah. oversell it. Okay, <laughs> sorry. Four. He had four great ones. Yeah, That's right. So see if we can remember them, right? So we had the public space, the uh-huh. social space, the personal space, the intimate space. So, uh-huh. you know, I, I didn't make that up. Uh, Jenny Allen, she, she talks about it with some different language in her book, find your people. She uses, she describes it differently, Sure, mm-hmm. but in some ways it's a pretty similar concept. Um, you know, the, the book Activate that um, the pastors I used to work for, Nelson Searcy and Carrick Thomas, they go into great detail describing this in their book. So I, I didn't make that up. This, you know, you, this is kind of something that, you know, people who aren't pastors teach just sure. relational dynamics of how we live our lives. 
if you can just understand those four quadrants and how you relate to people, we relate in public spaces where there's a bunch of people around. I'm just another face in the crowd, right. you know, the social space, 10, 12, 15 people, personal space. These are my three to five friends, intimate mm-hmm. space, my spouse, perhaps maybe a best friend that I've had all life, all of life. And if you can understand how that works and that each space feeds the other one, right? that's the key. Um, that is the key. That's kind of what you yeah. were saying. Like you asked like friends and I'm going, mm-hmm. well, get you some good social spaces. You'll make friends. The people yeah. in your personal space, which if you missed the message, you're like, why would I want anybody in my personal space? <laughs> like the people who you have <laughs> friendships with, you meet in di- settings where there's 10, 12, 15, 20 people. Yeah. Well, sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say like, so these spaces, uh, are they the same spaces for you, for me or like, like, do we have different spaces that we find friends? Because, like, people have different personalities. So the, it, what works for me might not work for you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think it's a personality-based thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think introvert, extrovert, yeah. wherever you're wired, the easiest way for you to make a friend is to be in a group setting of 10, 12, 15, 20 people. Now, what has got those 10, 12, 15, 20 people together is certainly going to be different, okay? Mm-hmm. So, for example, there might be a group of guys that are getting together and they all understand music the way yeah, you do. right. Well, you're going to enjoy that a lot more than, like, somebody like me. Although I understand music a little bit, <laughs> yeah, yeah. not nearly the way you do. A fantasy football league is a great example of this. Yeah. So, you know, we're going to get together here in a few weeks and we're going to do our draft for yeah. our fantasy football team. Well, that's a shared interest, right? <laughs> I would not do well. Right. So, you know, we're going to—I got to know the guys in the league last Last year, I'll get yeah. to know them a little better this year. So I think what gets people there is certainly going to be different. Yeah. As many different things as you could imagine, common interest, you know, um, yeah. seasons of life. Uh, we've got a, we've got, I mean, there's groups that do everything around here. We've yeah. got a group of people that come up here and clog once a week. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, yeah, you know, yeah, in the that. kitchen. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Clogging in the kitchen. Yeah. So like if, I guess because of the, the floor. Ki- yeah. Yeah, right, yeah, okay. yeah, so, yeah. That makes sense now. Yeah. All right. That, so yeah, yeah. Those things will be different. Yeah. But the dynamic can be the same. If if you if you go to something, like let's just use one of these, okay? So um, I'm going to something, there's going to be a group of people there, and it's going to be a lot of fun, and I show up and there's only two people there. It's, it's kind of weird. <laughs> and, and now, like, so, I feel like I'm having to kind of drive the discussion the whole time. Yeah. And um, But if I go somewhere and there's 10, 12, 15, 20 people, like, I can kind of blend in. Yeah. I can kind of start talking to people. I can, so a that is a more conducive environment for making friends. Yeah. Now, let me go back to those four quadrants there for a second because yeah. I, I want to say some things that I couldn't say in my sermon. So if you've got the public space, the social space, the personal space, the intimate space, mm-hmm. sin pushes back against that movement. Okay. Like sin would say no. Like you, you that that's not how it works. Like you, you don't have to like go through that progression to really get to know someone. Like you can meet someone and you can immediately move to an intimate space with them. It's called a one night stand. Yeah. So part of like our culture's lie is to usurp this process. Interesting. It's like mm. you can actually like get really close with somebody. Now, what's the lie of our culture? And that only happens through sex. So what culture's done is it's replaced intimacy, which is nothing more than full trust with the physical act of sex and projected that as intimacy, wow. which is why so many people think 
That's what they're looking for, and they look for it, and the, looking for love in all the wrong places. Yeah, right. <laughs> they're looking for it in the wrong places. Yeah. They're then acting upon it in the wrong way, and then they're wondering why they continue to have this void and this hurt and the mm-hmm. pain in their life. Yeah. And so what, what I try, and I've been trying to help young people see this for years, whether high school students or college students or people in their 20s, because that's typically the season that a lot of people yeah. are you know, trying to you know, make friends yeah. and maybe date someone yeah. or mm-hmm. find their future spouse. It's like, no, if you'll go through this progression, put yourself in a healthy social right. space, you'll start making some friends. Ultimately, among those friends, you may identify someone that you're like, wow, like yeah. I have some interest in that person. Right. Okay. Sure. But if you if you just try to go meet someone, you know, mm-hmm. ladies, like we're going out with the girls, we're you know, going to the bar, we're gonna meet some guys. Probably not a good idea. Yeah. You know, guys, right. we're all heading out to the to the club. It's gonna be awesome. Probably not. not. Yeah. Because <laughs> now you're putting in yourself in unhealthy situations. Yeah. And because Satan wants to destroy your life, he'll make sure that you do connect with someone mm. that evening. It's just not going to be the person that's going to help you grow in your faith. Yeah. You see yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, so absolutely. a lot of what sin does in our life is it tries to to get these steps out of order. Mm-hmm. And it try, sin tries to get us in unhealthy social spaces. And we know that. We know that because of we all grew up yeah. and yeah. We, we saw those temptations and we saw friends you know, fall to those temptations. And then involved in student ministry and raising kids, what are we trying to get them to do? Like not place themselves in those types of environments. And if they ever find themselves in that type of environment, to leave, Mm -hmm. to leave as quickly as possible. Have I ever told you all the story about smelling uh, marijuana when I was a kid? I told that story? So that's a fun story. So we we were in Boone, North Carolina. Because there's ski resorts in Boone, North Carolina. There's Beach Mountain, the Sugar Mountain. And um, when I was a kid, we would drive up to Boone once a year and ski. And then we started flying out to Colorado, which is how I fell in love with Colorado. But we were up there for a ski trip. I was probably in the fourth or fifth grade. And we were walking into the hotel. And it was kind of one of those things where, like, the automatic doors open. And then there's, like, this almost little breezeway before the other automatic doors open. And you go into the hotel. Mm -hmm. And so in that little breezeway, it was, like, this really bad smell. And my dad was like, Stop. And I was like, okay. And he goes, do you smell that? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, it smells terrible, doesn't it? And I was like, yeah. And he said, so as you get older, he said, if you ever show up somewhere and you smell that, just leave. And I was like, okay. You know, <laughs> he didn't tell me what it was. He didn't tell me what was going on. So years later, I'm like 17, I'm in high school. And I, I was kind of a... Um, like, I was the Christian kid in high school, so nobody invited me to parties, which right. was fine by me. Yeah. I spent a lot of Friday nights just by myself. <laughs> I didn't so, get invited. Um, it wasn't because yeah. I was a Christian kid. So, anyway. <laughs> anyway, I was hanging out with some buddies one night, and um, they they said, we're going to drop by so-and-so's house on the way back to, I don't know where we're going, probably one of our houses to play basketball. Sure. And I'm like, all right, cool. So we went into this house, and there were a bunch of kids there that I knew from my school. And like as we walked in the house, when we walked in the house, I immediately smelled that. Mm. So smelling something, there's like a really strong memory yeah, to that. Yeah, yeah. And I just looked at my buddies. I was like, hey, I, I want to go home. I just, you know, I want to leave. Yeah. And they're like, okay. So we went and got in the car and we left. So like later that night, we were playing basketball and like they started making fun of me. And I didn't understand why they were making fun of me. I was like, why are y'all making fun of me? And they were like, seriously, dude, like you couldn't even put up with the smell of weed for like 10 seconds. And I'll go, that was weed? Yeah. <laughs> That's how naive I was. That's I, hilarious. I didn't know. I didn't know yeah. that it was weed. I didn't know it was marijuana. And they just all looked at me like... <laughs> wow, like you're that sheltered. I was like, look, I don't know. I was like, all I know is like my dad told me if I ever smelled that to leave. And they're like, well, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. So that's all I'm trying to say. Like as parents, yeah. 
prepare your kids. If you go into an unhealthy yeah. social, leave. Yeah. Like, give them the warning signs. If you yeah. see this, smell this, hear this, go. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's good. you might, the, what the cops show up later, right. you yeah. just got there. Yeah. Yeah. They don't care. Ah. You know, <laughs> wow. so that's yeah. the whole thing. Get your kids in healthy social spaces. Teach them how to recognize unhealthy social spaces. Because right. when you're not there yeah. to tell yeah. them this is not healthy, then they can recognize, oh, I need to get out of here. Yeah. Now, here's the bigger principle. If you're a parent, make your home the healthy social space. Mm-hmm. Become the home that all the kids come to. That's right. Friday right. nights, Saturday nights, Sunday nights. Like you be that house that these kids always know they have a safe place they can hang out. Yeah. yeah. That That's is good. so good. And I love this analogy. You know, your dad teaching you this, you know, just run. I mean, it, it makes me think of like Joseph in the Old Testament, like, you know, Potiphar's wife. Like, <laughs> just I'm run. running, man. Get I'm out. out. I'm, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> I think right. that's so good. I think that's so yeah. good. Yeah. All right. So let, let me, let me kind of ask the big question. At the end of the day, why does all of this matter? We're talking about finding our people. Why is this so important? Because there are folks out there that think like, man, I can do this on my own. So at, at the end of the day, why do we need to find our people? I mean, we're all wired for relationship. Um, the person who thinks they can do it on their own, I, I, would, I would strongly suggest that the evidence of your life says otherwise. Hmm. That if you would just be honest for a second in the evaluation of your own life, the times that you've taken that approach, how has it gone? You know, what has it led to? Not just with other people, but with yourself, with your soul. Did it lead yeah. you to a healthier place or did it lead you to a darker place? Did it lead you towards finding other things to alleviate that pain? Probably. So I think that anybody that's honest would, would admit, yeah, that's not the best path to take. Sure. Now, if you're currently taking that path, let's go ahead and slow you down now. Yeah. Let's go ahead and make sure that you understand the value of the people that you need. And I think what we've done is we've made all of that optional. And I told you all that was kind of the, con- the conviction the yeah. Lord brought me back to coming into this series. Now, we were all told for two and a half years it was optional yeah, yeah because yeah. we were told we couldn't be around each other. Yeah, right. Okay, So a lot of people bought that, and there's still some fear associated with that. Yeah. But being connected to people is not optional. It's how you're wired. God looking at Adam and saying it's not good for man to be alone is not a result of sin. Mm-hmm. He created us to need one another. So ultimately, that's why this, ma- this matters. Yeah. Yeah. And, the, and the second that you admit that and cooperate with that and then get connected to the right kind of people, mm-hmm. things are going to go better for you. Here's the pattern most people follow. They get that. They understand that. They just connect, get connected to the wrong kind of people. Right. Bad company, crooks, good character. Yeah. So now the people in their lives are actually leading them further away from the Lord. And that, unfortunately, is what we see so many times. And it's why peer pressure gets a negative um, reputation, which peer pressure, by definition, is just neutral. Peer right. pressure can serve in positive ways as well. Yeah. So, you know, you can surround yourself with good people and experience positive peer pressure. Like, you can exert positive peer pressure. But most of the time, we think of it in the negative sense right. because of what I just said. Right. Yeah. That, that's the pattern a lot of people follow. It's the people they get connected to actually do lead them down a bad path. And then it is negative peer pressure. So ultimately, that's why all this matters, because how God created us. And yeah. if you can't intentionally find healthy ways to get connected to people, the enemy will play on that and lead you to unhealthy ways yeah. to get yeah, connected yeah. to people. Yeah. What about um, someone who's just really afraid to make friendship, to have friendships because they've been hurt in the past? Mm. What about those people? That is hard. Yeah. That's very hard. So, yeah, I mean, you had a friend— you're super close, and then for whatever reason, like, that friend just starts ghosting you or, you yeah. know, um, cut you out of their life, yeah. and, and you didn't do anything. It can be very painful 
and and feel very vulnerable to kind of put yourself back out there. Yeah. Um, I I would encourage if if somebody's listening and that's your story, like I would pick up Jenny's book, Find Your People. Mm-hmm. Um, she does a good job in the first half of the book. The way Jenny basically lays out the book is she kind of lays out the challenge and the problem in the first half, and in the second half, she offers some potential steps you can take. Yeah. And I appreciate Jenny like saying in the book like these are some options to take, and then you you can kind of you know I want to do that, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like one of the options that she offers is um, she says I think everybody should buy a little fire pit. That's a really practical tip. She's like, they're not that expensive, and there's something about building a fire and putting out a couple of chairs. You sit around, you talk to each other. I was like, okay, that that. So, but in the first part of the book, she tells her story with that, how you know it was really hard for her to want to try to make friends again because that had happened to her, and so she walks through um, in a very personal way. And I appreciate her sharing her story. But what I would say to you, if that's you and if that's your story, is you now don't get to use that as your reason to not do any of this. You just don't. Um, biblically speaking, you don't have that option. So at some point, you, you've got to get to a place where you recognize if you want to let that continue to drive how you go about making friends, you've now entered the realm of sin. And I would pray that wow. God places you under conviction of yeah. that. Because what's happened now is something from the past is still ruling your present. And something yeah. from the past is robbing you of future blessing. Mm-hmm. Well, God has a word for that. It's called sin. Because Jesus took that to the cross. One of the things that we have a really hard time with as believers is we're totally cool with the fact that Jesus died for the sins that we have committed. Mm -hmm. We have a difficult time recognizing that he also died for the sins that have been committed against us, Mm -hmm. towards Mm -hmm. us. That's what you're describing. So at some point, if that continues to guide your life, you're... Mm -hmm. Jesus went to the cross for that. And what you're telling Jesus is it's actually not good enough for me. So you don't get to let that be your reason to no longer connect. But you need to go through a process of getting good biblical guidance of how to release that and how to rebuild trust and how to take some steps. And I think Jenny does a pretty good job in her book of laying out her story. And I think if that's your story and you're listening, I think you could learn some things from that. Man, preach it. Absolutely. (laughs) And, and, you know, for some folks that might need a little more help, we provide those opportunities here at Vaughn Forest Church, whether that's counseling or talking to a pastor, you know, whatever that may be. So I want to get kind of super practical as we begin to kind of wrap up this conversation. You know, here at Vaughn Forest Church, what do we do to provide these opportunities to find these friends? Like, do we provide these different spaces for folks? Yes. Okay. <laughs> and how? Yeah. <laughs> so w- what I would say, um, and if you're new to Vaughn Forest, you know, you may think, like, that's just pastor speak. Like, he's oversimplifying that. I'm not. Just, just hear sure. me out. Mm-hmm. Everything about our church is structured this way. This is not a department of our church. This is not an area of our church. This is our church. It doesn't matter what happens around here. It happens in the context of team. It happens in the context of 8 to 10 to 12 to 15 to 20 people. Mm -hmm. Literally, there's not one thing that happens around this place that does not function that way. And that is super intentional. Mm. Why? Well, I, I gave you our playbook yesterday in the sermon. <laughs> That's our playbook. Yeah. We are trying to structure as many healthy social spaces as we can here at Vaughn Forest Church. And, and that matters because when you've got a really big church with a lot of people, if you don't structure it that way, it never feels small. Right. We want it to feel small. Right. And we want it to feel small by you getting on a team. And if you get on a team, it starts to feel small. So that could be one of the teams in guest services. 
one of the teams in our next generation ministry area, one of the teams in production or worship, one of our life groups, which actually function kind of like teams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have a team of yep. people that meet up here on Sunday nights to do English as a second language. We have a team of people that serve in our community. We have a team of people. Everything is done in the context yeah. of team. And so what makes that great? Oh, we have a team of people that come up here, work on the bulletins. We have a th- yeah. Like yeah. I could go on and on yeah, and on, yeah, yeah. right? So everything about how we do ministry as a church at Vaughn Forest is done in the context of teams. So we try our best to communicate that and to make it super easy to take a step. And here's the key, to just give it a shot. Yeah. I think sometimes people think, like, if I take a step, that means I'm joining the team. No, it doesn't. It just means you're giving it a shot. Right. Yeah. So, like, you could show up and do something with a group of people and go, I'm not sure that's the team for me, and nobody's feelings are going to get hurt. Yeah, right. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. You can go try another team. Like, that's our culture here. We want people to try different things, mm-hmm. ultimately find the team that you like being on, and then— you're going to begin to experience that. But you've got to be willing to at least try it. You've got to put yourself out there a little bit. It it can be a little awkward. It can feel like the first day of school. I I get it. Okay, We all know what that emotion's like. But if you'll fight past that fear, Mm -hmm. you'll begin to then experience the benefit of that. So everything about how we do things at Vaughn Forest Church is the goal is what we're talking about in this series and what we've been talking about today. Yeah, Yeah, and so and also I know this Sunday we are actually kicking off Life Group sign-up. Can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so we'll have a catalog. They'll be posted on our website. You'll get the catalog with your bulletin, and it's just going to have some groups. They start here in a few weeks. They only last for 12 weeks. So if you get into a group, you know, you're not signing your life away. Right. It's for the fall. Yeah. You go once a week. Perfect attendance isn't required. Yeah. Everybody's busy. I know you're going to travel. These are all the reasons people don't sign up. Well, right, I can't right. be there every week. Cool. No worries. We don't even take attendance. Right. So it's right. like, you know, <laughs> just, just get into a group. If it matches your schedule yeah. and it's a topic you're interested in, and it's something that maybe you and your spouse want to do, or maybe it's a men's group you want to try if you're a dude, and it's a ladies' group that you want to try. Like, just give it a shot. Sure. Yeah. It, it's, it's a 12-week commitment, and you're going to go for 12 weeks. And, I mean, I can promise you that if you'll show up, you're going to grow in your faith. Yeah. You'll come out on the other side, at least having grown in your relationship with the Lord. Right. But then there's also a good chance you're going to make a few friends along the way. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, those start this week. And if you're not currently connected to a life group, you need to get signed up for this fall. Absolutely. And those meet on campus, off campus, all of the above Sunday yeah. morning yes. during the week, just any, any time we have, we and have that's clarified in the, in the catalog. That's all. So all you'll know when you sign up, you know, yeah. okay, that's where it meets. Well, really good. Well, I'm excited about that. And I'm excited. We're kicking off a brand new series this Sunday and it is called ready or not ready or not. And we're looking at the life of <laughs> Joshua, Joshua. So I got to teach Matt this Sunday, ready or not. That's right. Yeah. Joshua. Um, I really like the book of Joshua. It's always been one of my favorites. And so a quick series, four weeks. We're just going to pull four principles from his life. I call them ready or not principles from the life of Joshua. So it'll be super practical. You're going to learn some things about Joshua. But then ultimately, we're going to be trying to push and challenge people to put those ready or not principles to practice in their own lives. So it's going to be a good series. So 930 and 11 a.m. here on campus. If for some reason you can't be here, make sure you join us online, vaughnforest.com. Facebook, YouTube, we'll be, we'll be on all that. Well, gentlemen, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I've enjoyed this series, yeah. and uh, I'm really hoping that folks find those connections that we're talking about, and I'm looking forward to seeing how God's going to use that kind of in the coming weeks and months and years and all that kind of stuff. So thank you for joining us today for episode number 550, the big five zero, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing you guys next week. So on behalf of Adam Bishop, Matt Collins, Sound Guy Jonathan, and myself, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time.